got ecologists and bird watchers, Mark and Mandy Bamford, in the studio with me, and we we're just talking about Neil Diamond and what a wonderful, um, <laughs> what a wonderful musician he is to clean house by. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say yes too. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be one of those frightful men. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Now we've. Um, we're talking, we're talking birds, but we're talking uh, particularly because it's been such a frightful, hot summer. We've been, we're talking about the effects that that's had on them. It's mm. hideously humid at the moment. I keep thinking that it's cooled down, and it feels actually hotter today than, and yesterday than it did when it was up in the 40s. It was frightful. Yep. And they have. Um, so tell us how that that affects wildlife in general. Well, in all sorts of ways, of course. Um, a lot of the interest in heat and birds came up because of an incident down near Hopetown yeah. a few months ago where a large number of Carnaby's black cockatoo, the big white-tailed black cockatoos, were found dead after a day when it got to low 50s. And they were investigated and found that, in fact, they basically died of heat stress. And high, high, weather, high temperature conditions are a problem for birds and other wildlife, and they have to do something about managing them, you know, keeping themselves cool. And they do all sorts of strange things to keep themselves cool. And I'll let Mandy give some examples. Oh, gosh. <laughs> lucky you, Mandy. Oh, lucky me. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mike. Okay. No, I, um, I, I remember actually a particular time when we were up in the bush up near Jinjin on a particularly hot day, and some of the small birds were so desperate to get cool that they would they lost all their fear of us and they just went... I thought you were going to say they lost all their feathers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they could have done that. But, uh, actually, They I think... stripped naked. <laughs> Actually, they didn't do that, but they, what they did do was rushed under the house or um, there was a little outdoor loo and they, they went into the, any of the shaded spots that they could find, completely fearless of us because I think they were so desperate that they just had to go for any shade that they could find. And uh, obviously, they, they looked for any sources of water as well. Um, I mean, I think in the case, say, of the Carnaby's cockatoos, if they had have been more in the centre of their range, they might have had more coping mechanisms, but where they were down at Hopetown, they're probably pretty much on the edge of their range there. And uh, probably that's one of the reasons why they don't get much further because obviously it's marginal um, habitat for them. So I was going to ask that. If, they're, if, if the birds are native to a particular area, do they have better coping mechanisms to deal with the conditions, to deal with heat? Or is that just the most ridiculous question? you have? <laughs> no, <laughs> Being um, a bird lover but not, not a bird no. expert, is that a ridiculous I, I mean, question? Birds in the arid zone are better... You know, acclimatised to hot conditions. They can cope with high temperatures. Um, they still have to work out on, on really extreme days how to cope. There's some examples of, of disasters in the bird world. I remember many years ago um, on Arabidi Station on the Nalbor Plain, I was there shortly after the event happened, where the pastors told me they had about 20,000 budgerigars that died in a few hours on a very hot day. And the budgerigars were seeking shelter inside a rainwater tank. And, of course, they were suffocating inside, inside <gasps> oh, a rainwater tank. Oh, no. But they were taking shelter there. And the, the kick to that story is that 20 years later, I was given that, that example in a lecture on the biology of wildlife and how it copes with hot conditions. And a girl stood up and said, that was my family's property and... I would have been about two years old then. I realised she was in the, the room when, I, when the farmer was telling me 20 years ago about this and 20 oh, years later gorgeous. she's She probably thought it was raining budgerigars <laughs> at the time. But there are several cases of budgerigars, zebra finches having disasters where they just simply can't cope. They seek shelter in rainwater tanks or Nanotara Roadhouse had a big death of budgerigars some years ago. But they're exceptional. Mostly the birds survive. They get, they'll go down burrows. They'll go down rabbit burrows or in the old days bilby burrows to shelter from the heat. They'll do strange things to, to get away from the heat. They'll even lie on the ground and sweat themselves out 
shuffled into the soil where the soil's a bit cooler a few centimetres down to be able to get rid of excess body heat. And that's what, what the story is. Their body temperature works at about 38, 39 degrees Celsius, a bit more than us. If they can't get rid of that excess heat, they die. And so they do things like get themselves wet, get into cool soil, get into shade, go under the wood heap at Jinjin, as they were mm. doing. I'm so absolutely frightful because I um I love it when I turn my sprinkler on at, at home and it's just like this fantastic um you know mass of birds come flying down and I'll go and sit outside on purpose and and watch them and I love the um the pecking order. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? Because you get yep. I get the tiny little uh, silver eyes, and then um, and they're always in first because they're just you know hilarious and so little. And yep. then the willy wagtails will come and chase them off, and then the honey eaters will come and um, battle with the willy wagtails, and then so on and so on. Mm. I haven't had anything much bigger than a um, than a little uh, uh, kite I think, oh, okay. <laughs> in the back garden, but That's they're very right. cute. Mm. And is that a good, I mean, if people um, like to attract birds to their garden and like to, you know, don't like to see them stressed, can they do that? Well, I think generally speaking, you know, putting out some We're water We're going to have the birds. water ecologist coming down. Well, that's right. <laughs> we have to preface this by saying we must save water, obviously. So running your sprinklers um, on a non-watering day for your birds is uh, definitely not probably, allowed. Probably not you have to but, hand water yeah, your birds. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, uh, allowing for that, it is... It's fine to put out a bowl of water for the birds. I think, um, you know, there have been some discussions about whether you should help birds out at all. But I think um, on dry days, especially in a city environment where, let's face it, some of them struggle a little bit because of what we've done to the environment, there's actually, you know, not really much argument against putting out some water for them because it just helps them a little bit and perhaps keeps a few more of those birds in the backyard. So why do people argue about whether or not we should help them? Oh, well, I mean, there are some issues with providing artificial food and or water, usually food more than water, because it changes the dynamics of what um, what comes in. So, say, for example, in a, um, in a pastoral area where there's extra sources of water, you get large numbers of kangaroos because they build up. And the same thing can happen with birds. Um, say, for instance, magpies and, and ravens, if there's large amounts of food supply extra, then you tend to get a bit of a bias. In oh, the, and they've been the having all those problems with, pe with pest birds mm, down at the, in right. the orchards down south, yes, yeah. so I suppose they're, they're um, uh, eyeing me up in their sights for oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> as but, we speak. But, you know, I think with water, you know, yeah. you're really pretty safe, and it certainly, you know, it helps them just on those really, really awful days. If mm. they've got just one extra place that they can go, um, it's it's a nice thing to do for the birds, and it's just fantastic the way that we have so many native birds still in Perth, you know, especially compared to some of the eastern states. Oh, capitals. we want to keep them. And it's we not, do. They're not yeah. really a, a species that you would think necessarily. I, I just would never have occurred to me that they got heat stress. Do they not have um, physical mechanisms inside their bodies that release it? Yes, but only up to a point. Yeah. Uh, and if it's very hot, they go beyond that point, I suppose. The same thing could happen to a person. I mean, if you're exposed to a very hot environment and you haven't got enough to drink and you can't get in the shade, you can overheat and get heat stress and die. Um, reptiles have the same problem. They are you know, solar powered, if you like. Um, but if they get too hot, they can, they can die quite quickly. And, and mammals tend to hide. Like most Australian mammals are nocturnal, which is a great way to cope with hot weather because it's generally cool at night. So a lot of Australian mammals are, are nocturnal. So... Yeah, birds and everything else has mechanisms to cope with hot conditions when sometimes things go wrong. Oh, as, as they mm. do. Well, thank you both for coming in and having a talk to us about that today. Where are you off to next? I love your sort of, you know, <laughs> Harry Butler in the wild, <laughs> husband and wife team, traipsing all over traipsing Western Australia. Right. 
Looking under rocks, up Absolutely. in trees. Up in trees, yeah, down hole. I'm off to Leonora. <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> there will be some we're, hot birds up it, it there. It will be hot. The birds will be it's hot. The human and animal kind. Yes, yes. And, um, and one of the issues out in that sort of country is providing too much water in some cases because you do get, as Mandy was saying, there, there can be too many aggressive birds around water sources. So that's a bit of an issue sometimes for conservation in that landscape. Mm. But yeah, Leonora next. Yes. Oh, it's it's a an ever unfolding adventure. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you both for coming in. That's Mark and Mandy Bamford.